the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. It's all catching up to Joe Biden. It's all catching up. Look, you and me, we've been onto this for a long time, but things are so bad that even the fake news can't deny it anymore. All these crises, and obviously Joe can't handle it. Look at these poll numbers. Finally, we're getting a realistic sense of where this guy stands with the American people. Yesterday's speech at the UN did not help matters at all. He was at times angry. They tried to make uh, not using the military uh, until the last resort sound like it was a new idea. (laughs) Every president says that's how they'd like to do things. Actually, for the most part, it's been that way. Some key exceptions. Um, When he returned to the White House, things got bizarre. And I think he lost one of his most important constituencies, the media. Harry Cohen uh, from The Sun. Mr. President, uh, he he, he asked him a question. I'll take it. All right, so he's sitting there with Boris Johnson, prime minister of the UK. Uh, There are a bunch of reporters in the room. I think we have a picture from another angle. Yeah, the place is loaded with cameras and microphones and reporters from the UK and America. Boris Johnson is game to take questions, and he does. Joe Biden, of course, is freaked out by questions and doesn't. Would it, would it be okay if we just have a couple of, of questions, just a, uh, just a, just a couple uh, of Good questions for, for the, for, and I think we're gonna be ruthless. I'm gonna be ruthless. Uh, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to uh, Harry Cole uh, from The Sun. Okay, that's what a leader does, right? After you say a few things, you take some questions. Joe Biden can't do it. And you know who's starting to get embarrassed? All the American reporters. They see how it's done in the UK. The American reporters are like, "Uh, yeah, we haven't really even asked a question in about a month. More. We're gonna take take one more question. I'm gonna go to, to Beth. And Joe Biden, the leader of the free world, is just along for the ride. Now, the press, they're getting mad. And the press workers, those who work in the West Wing for Joe Biden, they're getting a little freaked out, too. They actually interrupt uh, the prime minister. Watch what happens. Unbalances the the Belfast Good Friday uh, Accords. That's the 
uh, Belfast Good Friday Agreement. That's that's the. Sounds like a pet shop in there. That's a bunch of staffers. They started. Thank you. Thank you. That's cue to everybody out. They interrupted the prime minister. Look, this was bad. And uh, the White House correspondents, they were very, very embarrassed. And uh, they wrote a stern letter. They actually formally uh, objected to all of this. The U.S. press pool um, immediately launched a formal objection to that. It is not protocol necessarily to have that kind of uneven distribution. Typically, you have the U.S. side and then the foreign uh, press representatives getting an equal amount of questions there. Yes, but again, they're just embarrassed. They're embarrassed that uh, the U.S., uh, I'm sorry, the U.K. reporters were able to ask Boris Johnson whatever they wanted, and they could not do the same thing for uh for Joe Biden, and uh, that's the way he rolls, right? May God protect our troops. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, what kind of impact does it have when celebrities like Nicki Minaj? Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're all familiar with this. This is how he does it. But again, that key constituency, the media that have been covering for him, uh, explaining, spinning for him, I think they've had it. President Biden is facing major challenges and major questions this week. The growing crises engulfing the White House. How about a message from our vice president? Where is she? She was supposed to be in charge of all of these migration issues, going to those northern triangle countries. That's obviously not Haiti. This camp inside of the United States with thousands of people, what is the reticence to call something that is so clearly a crisis? a crisis. You look at what's happening with immigration. You look at France now saying that uh, they've been betrayed by the United States. So I, I get that we have to look forward, but what are we doing to justify or explain what appears to be very bad behavior on our part now? We don't see it that way. All right. So this is all uh, too little too late. I mean, the press, they had their chance. They're supposed to ask the tough questions during the campaign. Remember when Joe was in the basin and they just went along with it. He was protected in that little cocoon. And whenever they did get a chance, they protected him, they coddled him. When you hear these remarks, suckers, losers, recoiling from amputees, what does it tell you about President Trump's soul and the life he leads? He asked you about another thing the president said last night. He once again suggested to his supporters that they should consider voting twice if they're in one of those states that can allow you to request an absentee ballot. Just curious what you make of it. Just running that by you, what do you think? Care to insult your opponent, Donald Trump? They were all throwaway questions. They're all very easy. Um, and now that there's a crisis, and now that we see Joe Biden can handle it, what happens next? I'm not so sure. We have squalor at the border, all these poor people. Nobody should live like this and they seem strangely content with it all. This would have any normal person who's in charge all over it, totally, totally on top of it. The numbers who are there, uh, the numbers of people there, where are they gonna go next? How do we fix the situation? Check out this, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary, his name is Mayorkas, he's clueless. I want some numbers here. So we've got, again, 1.3 million people. How many people have been returned? How many people are being detained? 
How many people have been dispersed to all points around America? Uh, Senator, I would be pleased to provide you with that data. I want them now. Uh, Why don't you have that information now? Uh, Senator, I do not have that data. Why not? Me. Why don't you have that basic information? Senator, I want to be accurate in the, in the information. I'm looking for ballpark figures. Is it about half? Have we dispersed about half of that? Are we up to about 600,000 people we dispersed? Senator, these are the tools that we employ. Uh, we use the Title 42 authority, that is the public health authority, empowered by the Centers for Disease Control to expel individuals in light of the... So, so I'm hearing that you're not using that to the full extent and that we've got 40, 50 percent of people, even apprehended under, under Title 42, that are not being returned. Is that accurate? That, that, is, that is actually inaccurate. All right. It's uh, bureaucratic gibberish. There are about 10 to 15,000 people there. Uh, how about giving us an official number? How about telling us where they're going, when they're going to get there? They either can't or they don't want to. I think this is a combination of uh, incompetence and dishonesty. So people have been getting on buses, by the way. Have you heard about this? Uh, Haitians getting on the bus and being sent all around the country. And a lot of them don't like it. Take a look at what happened on one bus ride. Put it up on the screen, please, full, if you don't mind. Um, what did the passengers do? They fought with the Border Patrol agents on board. They attempted to overtake the driver. They forced the bus to stop, and they all ran away. Now, there is a reason that may actually make sense. Um, take a look at this. In Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, the capital, um, a lot of folks found themselves surprised to be there, surprised to be in Haiti. Now, they're being deported from the United States. Why would Haitians be surprised to be back in Haiti? Well, a lot of them came to the United States, not directly from Haiti. They've been living for years in places like Chile and in other countries in South America and Central America. Anyway, when they found themselves in Haiti, they were very, very upset. We had an incident. Let's go ahead. Let's see. On one flight, they assaulted the pilots and three ICE officers, stormed another plane, threw shoes and belongings at the plane. Now, again, a lot of these folks haven't been in Haiti in years, but now the U.S. government has sent them there after indicating they would be accepted. This poor man, listen to his story. I feel for him very much so. And this is a man-made crisis by the Biden administration. It really is. But as horrible as this individual's plight is, guess what's receiving more attention? The horses, the horses at the border. This morning, the growing crisis and the new investigation launched over these images of border agents on horseback confronting migrants. And in one case, an agent on horseback can be seen grabbing the shirt of a migrant, appearing to whip him as he desperately tries to escape. Outrage grows over these images, border agents on horseback confronting migrants. With the Biden administration struggling to explain images of agents on horseback confronting migrants on the Rio Grande. The Department of Homeland Security is now investigating this incident where border patrol agents on horseback are seen intimidating Haitian migrants at the southern border. All right, so we've talked to the Border Patrol. Last night, we talked to the man who was in charge of the horses for the Border Patrol uh, for the past 20 years or so. The technique used, they're not whipping anybody. They are keeping people away from the horses 
which can be dangerous in certain situations. And if you look closely at these pictures, you don't see a whip hitting anybody. You see the man's hand on his T-shirt. From another angle, you see it gently placed on the man's shoulder. But the fake news and also the Biden administration, they are making a fake news story even worse. They're giving it an air of legitimacy. Perhaps worst of all is the entitled, the lazy, the look at me, I'm the VP. What I saw depicted about um, those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were is horrible. And um, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation into exactly what is going on there. Um, but human beings should never be treated that way. And I'm deeply troubled about it. You know, I'd like to see Kamala go to the border and try to do it herself. These men are doing their job. She is not doing hers. We all heard the president of the United States pointed right at her and said, this is your responsibility. Now, behind the scenes, she must have said, no way. She hasn't been to the border in any serious way. She went to a mall in El Paso, Texas. She didn't go to the hot spot. Um, and she's made light of it. She's made light of it. Just quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. Everybody understands the point that he's making. Listen, we obviously have a crisis. Let me ask you, I'll, I'll think about this myself. If I were the vice president and I had the power, I had the status, I had the authority, I had access to Air Force Two, a jet at my disposal, you know what? I'd go, anybody who cares would go to the border. Hmm? What else is she doing all day long? Quite frankly, she's uh, not doing much at all. She's uh, <laughs> flipping uh, coins at the football game. I'll get to that in a second. She loves traveling on jets. I'm sorry for dripping, but drip is what I do. And one of these days, I'm sorry for yeah. dripping. This was a uh, TikTok thing they put out during the campaign. Look at me, I'm getting on and off private jets, and now she can get on and off Air Force Two, but she won't take it to Texas. Why not? I don't think they want the problem solved. I think they want the cheap labor, and they want these folks coming in so they can ultimately, they think, determine how they vote, or maybe even vote for them. Things like that have happened. She was at the ball game, some college game, flipping a coin this weekend. Why was it such a crisis under President Trump when it was a million times better than it is now? They all went. Remember the crying, the hysterics, the AOC, boo-hooing? Where is she now? What's happening? It's all a game for them, but not for us and not for those poor people at the border. We'll be right back. Ooh, guess what? The laptop that we knew was authentic. The fake news is finally acknowledging, yes, it was the real thing. They can do it now because Joe Biden is safely in the White House. I'll be right back.
Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All I, All I can, can say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. They don't. But you know what? Finally, finally, some of them do. Who remembers when the New York Post broke the biggest story probably of the last 50 years, the incriminating laptop of Hunter Biden, all that stuff? Quite frankly, it should have sank Joe Biden's candidacy. Instead, big tech did everything they could to limit the impact of this story, to keep it out of your hands. Well, the fake news has finally embraced it. Politico comes out. One of their reporters has written a big book, and he couldn't have written the book without the uh, laptop, and it's legit. It's all in the book. Just as a quick uh, refresher, all the business arrangements between uh, Hunter Biden and Joe and also, uh, well, Hunter Biden and his very interesting um, life and very unfortunate life. I mean, gosh, this guy is into some, some really bad stuff. I hope he gets well. Uh, but we were lied to. We were definitely lied to. Uh, by so many, by intelligence officials who signed that letter for Joe Biden, by Joe Biden, by the fake news, uh, because this email, this email undermines so much of their fake news narrative. A Burisma official writes Hunter thanking him for the meeting with his father. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. English is not the guy's first language. Uh, Joe Biden went on the record many times and said never, never did he talk business with his son Hunter about Hunter's business. Never came up. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business And so how do you know? Tell, you know? Here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened? That appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. Oh, nasty, nasty, nasty. This is not normal, by the way. Normal people don't do this. Normal people who are supposed to restore our norms and be so empathetic. Look, he got defensive because uh, Peter Ducey there was onto something. We all were, okay? But he denied it, and the fake news bought it. Now that Joe is safely in the White House, their work is done. And now, somewhat reluctantly, but they have no choice, they're turning on him. They're turning on him. Uh, oh, something else we have to talk about. You heard about white supremacy. So much white supremacy coming our way. White supremacy is a existential threat to America. Democrats all over the place uh, have been saying this basically since Donald Trump showed up. You asked me today, what are our homeland security threats? Of course, terrorism, except of a different nature, domestic-based violent extremism, right-wing violent extremism. We have a domestic terrorism threat that is as scary as the international terrorism threat with domestic terrorists and white supremacists. 
and there's rise of white supremacy. So the very people we went to squash all extremists and terrorists, and yet the homeland is now experiencing the same thing that we experience abroad. Our number one threat right now are domestic terrorists, primarily right-wing extremists motivated by race. They are white. So it's just a left-wing talking point. None of that's true. None of that is true. Now, we went looking for this uh, white supremacy stuff that they're talking about, right? The violence and the danger that's posed. We actually did find some evidence from 1923. This is the last substantial turnout we could see or we could find of white supremacy. Look, it's a boogeyman. It's a false boogeyman. And some of those officials that you just heard talking about white supremacy, it was a talking point because deeper in some of those conversations, they acknowledged what the real threat is. Got to hand it to the Republican National Committee. They put together uh, one heck of a highlight reel of Democrats pointing their finger at the real threat to America. This Afghan government was going to collapse rapidly because of the way in which we, we got out. I think of John Kennedy and the Bay of Pigs. It unfolded quickly, and uh, uh, the president thought that everything would be fine, and uh, that was not the case. It has created a global crisis, quite frankly. You cannot defend the execution here. This has been a disaster. Well, they clearly were caught off guard by the events over the last 72 hours. How his decision was made to withdraw, but then its execution. Uh, which has been so far catastrophic. Our national security is threatened. This is uh, a Dunkirk moment or perhaps a Saigon moment. This tragedy was completely preventable. Nobody wants the Saigon image and obviously we ended up with another Saigon image. It's kind of like the Dunkirk evacuation. We do have to regard the recent turn of events as creating a real risk uh, of, of another terrorist organization, whether it's ISIS-K, Al-Qaeda, uh, trying to reestablish a foothold in Afghanistan. It's a really rough time. It didn't need to be this way. The fact that there was little to no real planning done. I'm left with some grave question in my mind about his ability, speaking about the president, to lead our nation as commander-in-chief, to have read this so wrong, or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care. Admit the mistakes that were made. So they were behind the curve from the beginning of the announcement. The situation is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, it is tragic. Uh, it's disastrous. And the execution in particular does not speak to competency. They will provide a safe haven for al-Qaeda. Uh, it's a failure. And he needs to own that failure. He's the commander-in-chief. It has emboldened uh, violent uh, Islamic radicals. So they... I might be doing a little bit of high-fiving. Pretty powerful, right? They're talking about something real. When they bring up white supremacy, that's not real. That is a Democrat wishful thinking talking point. This stuff is real. And if you look closely enough, they're, they're acknowledging it. Some of the experts, some of the leaders, but uh, it's lost in all of the noise. So... We had a chance to vet Joe Biden uh, many times before. We actually did it successfully in 1987 and 2008. The voters looked at him and said, no way. Uh, this time, though, he squeaked in somehow. So they didn't vet him when it really counted. So let's take a closer look at him now. What do you say, huh? We found this article 
actually from 1970. He's talking about running for Senate in 72. This is his hometown newspaper, and boy, Joe <laughs> was a loose cannon then, just like he's a loose cannon now when it comes to talking. Listen to this. The one thing I want to be known for in politics, in my law practice, in my personal relationships, is that I am totally honest, a man of my word. <laughs> uh, it gets even more ridiculous. I have some friends on the far left, and they can justify to me the murder of white deaf mute for a nickel by five colored guys. They say the black men had been oppressed and so on, but they can't justify some Alabama farmers tar and feathering an old colored woman. This is Joe Biden's words, okay? Not mine, the former president of the United States. I'm sorry, the present president of the United States. I suspect the ACLU would leap to defend the five black guys, but no one would go down to help the rednecks. Let's see. Rednecks are usually people with very real concerns, people who lack the education and skills to express themselves quietly and articulately. Hmm. I am not a keep them barefoot and pregnant man, he says, but I am for all, uh, but I am all for keeping them pregnant until I have a little girl. All right. The first time the phone rang and someone said, you N-word lover, you want them living next to you? I was shocked. I said, if you're the alternative, I guess the answer is yes. Okay. He says he entered the county council race only after local Democratic chieftains assured him he would not even win the nomination. Interesting. He says, I guess this is from the reporter, he says, there may be lots of men in town who are as bright as he is, and lots of men who are as good looking as he is, and lots of men who know as much about political science as he does. This is all in Wilmington, by the way. But there are very few who can beat him on all three. Uh, okay. Now, maybe you're thinking, oh, that's the fake news putting words in his mouth. I mean, they misquote people all the time, which they do, but I don't think they did it here. Here's Joe Biden in 1974. He's about 32 years old, and he's been in the Senate now for uh, two years. Unless you happen to be some sort of anomaly like myself, being a 29-year-old candidate and can attract some attention beyond your own state, it's very difficult to raise that money from a large group of people. Oh, I am oh, an anachronist. Wait. I'm a 29-year-old oddball. The only reason I was able to raise the money is I was able to have a national constituency to run for office. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. Uh, I don't care what year it is. You don't talk like that. And uh, hey, how about a guy who's so full of himself? It validates all the quotes. And here's one more, by the way, from that profile in the Delaware newspaper. It says he neither drinks nor smokes. And Joe says, I don't use anything that could be a crutch, he says. And then after reflecting a minute, he adds, I use football as a crutch and motorcycle jumping and skiing. I ski like a madman. Now, we try to find pictures of him motorcycle jumping and all that other stuff. I think the only thing that's true here is the madman part. Uh, Joe liked to boast about his commute. Remember this on the Amtrak? Just so happens he told a story about this just yesterday in front of Boris Johnson from the UK, of all people. He told a story that we know is not true. I'll tell you a quick story that has nothing to do with anything. When I was vice president, the Secret Service didn't like me traveling on Amtrak because there were too many options for people to cause trouble along the way. 
but I insisted I do it. And one day, they put in the newspaper, Biden travels one million, I think, don't hold me the exact number, I think it was 350,000 miles on Air Force <laughs> Two. And, uh, and so I, walking up to the, uh, up to the, getting the train on that Friday, and a guy who was the number three guy from New Jersey on seniority as a conductor walked up and grabbed me and he goes like this, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek. <laughs> I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. And I said, no, no, Hold on a second. Said, Joey, hold on, hold on. Deal. <laughs> the conductor grabs him and the Secret Service almost shoots him, huh? If Joe is riding Amtrak as much as he says he rides Amtrak, uh, why would the Secret Service react that way? The guy's a conductor. He's in uniform. He's supposed to be there. He's supposed to be Joe's friend. Yet they want to pull a gun on the guy. That's a problem right there. I'm sorry to be nitpicky, but he's not telling the truth. A million, 300,000 miles on Amtrak, I mean, on, on Air Force Two. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? <laughs> I said, no. He said, with the retirement dinner. We worked it out. He said, 36 years in the Senate, X number of years as vice, at that point as vice president, average 131 days a year, 257 miles a day. Joey, you travel over 2 million miles. Big deal. <laughs> I thought they should name the railroad after me or something. They, but anyway. They, they made the station off. Yeah, they, they did. Told me, they, they, no, no, you're, 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 it's, it's big news. Anyway. All right. Uh, Joe is right at the outset. The story has nothing to do with anything. Um, but it's not true. The conductor he's talking about, Joe did make friends with the conductor 20 years earlier. We found his obituary. He died in 1993. There's the guy. Joe did make a stop by. He <laughs> retired in 93. Oh, I'm sorry. He retired in 93. He died in 2014. So, uh, look, he makes stuff up. A lot of politicians do. I think we all deserve to know that during the campaign. Now we're finding out about it, a lot of people, and it's too late. We'll be right back. So many unanswered questions about January 6th and any proposed January 6th commission, they haven't even raised these questions. What happened to Ashley Babbitt is a total outrage. No police department in the country could justify what happened to her. Now, we played a clip last night that some people thought it happened, the sequence we showed you, after she was shot. I want to show you it again and emphasize that this happened before Ashley Babbitt was shot. You'll see three police officers in a position where, they, where they're protecting the door. They're protecting the chamber. They're just standing there. And for some reason, they just walk away. It's beyond me why they would do that. Take a look. Oh, 
All right. By the way, the officers are not being harmed. It's loud, it's tense, but they're not being harmed. Continue. And there's so many people. It's just, they're going to push their way up here. Uh, bro, I see people out there get hurt. I don't want to hurt. I just make a, we will make a path to We don't want And they're about to walk off. Watch. We just let us make a path. There they go. And now all hell breaks loose. Okay, we can stop it for now. Why did they just walk out of the picture? Why did they walk away? They were not being harmed. Again, it was loud, it was tense. Why did they, and you see what's happening now. The door is unguarded. And Ashley Babbitt is about to step forward. Why would they ever walk away? That has not been answered. All right. And this happened as well. Those officers who just walked off, apparently at some point they see Michael Byrd on the other side. They see him aiming his weapon and they duck. They actually duck. See this? They're about to go down. Now, why are they taking cover? Wouldn't it have been a better move to remove Ashley Babbitt, who's about to jump through that window, or maybe she's pushed, we don't know. Why are they ducking? Why don't they communicate with that officer? What, what's happening? Maybe they could have coordinated with the other officer. Instead of shooting the person, let's help you out, and we'll, we don't have to use a bullet. It's so strange. Now, after Ashley Babbitt is shot, watch what one officer does. On this side of the, uh, the door, he gives a strange signal to the men on the other side of the door. The thumbs up, the thumbs up. What does that mean? A thumbs up for what? What is the signal? I wanna know these answers. I wanna know why she was shot. Michael Byrd does not deserve to be on that police force. He probably deserves to be in prison, the man who pulled the trigger. There are so many unanswered questions here, and no one's asking them. They're not being entertained. It's ridiculous. Actually, those who are working with the Babbitt family, they are asking these questions, and they're getting ready for a lawsuit. There's Aaron Babbitt with his late wife, Ashley. So they are preparing a lawsuit against the Capitol Police. And by the way, lawsuits can cost a lot of money. Investigators and uh, lawyers... We'd like to put the GoFundMe uh, page up, or actually it's called Give, Send, Go. Gives, GiveSendGo.com. And um, there it is right there. It can, uh, well, they're raising money, and I think it's for a very worthy cause. All right. And now this. Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. Black lives matter. Of course they matter, including the life of 16-year-old Josh Roan, shot and killed at the Danville, Pennsylvania County Fair this past Saturday in Virginia. Police say a fight broke out at the fair and spilled out into the parking lot. Someone pulled out a gun, opened fire. Witnesses say everyone fled the scene like a stampede, knocking over signs and equipment as they ran off. Family and friends say Roan was a rambunctious kid who loved to laugh and joke. 
His family said they just want everyone to put the guns down. And so they went, not knowing that that would be the last time that I would see my son alive. He was so caring, had a big heart. He would do anything for anybody, so he did not deserve this. Please, please, everybody put these guns down and stop the nonsense. Please. This is a hurt and a pain that you will never, never understand. No suspects. Police are trying to track down everyone who was at the fair. A GoFundMe page has been set up in, in his name to cover funeral costs. Josh Roan, he was just 16 years old, killed at the county fair. We will be right back. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas joins us right now. Governor, uh, welcome back to Newsmax. I know the government, the federal government is failing you guys, failing the country, but especially Texas. If they can't do it, can Texas? Do you have the resources to fix this problem? Greg, listen, we're tapping into all the resources we have to address the problem as aggressively as possible. What I was referring to at that particular clip that you were playing there uh, is that as you have shown your audience before on that dam that the Haitians were walking across from Mexico to Texas, when we saw that, uh, I called the director of the State Department of Public Safety and said, we got to shut that down. Uh, and they immediately deployed you know, vehicle after vehicle from the Texas Department of Public Safety uh, and united with the Texas National Guard uh, to form a steel barrier that shut down any ingress in, across uh, the river into the state of Texas. We created a, a, a vehicle border barrier that stopped any more migration into the state of Texas, so we were able to shut that down. Now, we've also set a, a human perimeter around the area where they uh, are standing under the bridge, and then in addition to that, uh, based upon information that we received, they were attempting uh, to cross uh, the river and cross the border in several other locations where we deployed both National Guard as well as Department of Public Safety officers to make sure that we're able to contain the border and, when necessary, make arrest who people who of those who do make it across uh, into the state of Texas and are trespassing on Texas property. One thing that we are doing is uh, both the Texas Department of Public Safety and the National Guard are authorized to make these arrests and put people in jail. Biden has catch and release. Texas has arrest in jail for our program. It's incredibly impressive and creative, by the way. I've never seen vehicles used in that fashion. What a great idea. And at night as well. Um, so how would you characterize the situation? Under control? Um, obviously better? Where are we right now because of what you've done? Well, listen, sure. In, in that one particular point, things are better under control. However, uh, because of the open border policies of the Biden administration, uh, we're going to be dealing with situations like this on an ongoing basis. Uh, during briefings while I was down there, we heard information about additional caravans that could be coming to the state of Texas. And I'm working both with the Texas Department of Public Safety, the National Guard, as well as uh, with local law enforcement authorities uh, as we begin the process of gearing up to be prepared for any uh, of the caravans that could be coming to other locations in the state of Texas. Biden talked about uh, the disgusting uh, conditions of 
uh, people who were waiting to come across the border. Look at the disgusting conditions that Joe Biden has created in his own country. It must be stopped. And Texas is stepping up to stop it. Greg, I got to add to you one other thing that we're doing, and that is we took legal action against the Biden administration and we won uh, getting a federal judge in Texas to enforce the Remain in Mexico policy. The Biden administration now is violating an order from a federal judge to make people remain in Mexico. That don't mess with Texas uh, slogan isn't just a slogan. I love what you're doing, Governor Greg Abbott. We appreciate it so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Greg. We'll be right back. This is a great book. I highly, highly recommend it. Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite by Peter Schweitzer. So much insight into how these people operate. Did you hear that the fake news is finally acknowledging what we've known all along, that the laptop, Hunter Biden's laptop, was in fact Hunter Biden's laptop. The information inside it was totally legitimate. Does this change the game at all for Joe Biden? We'd like to bring in Peter Schweitzer once again. Uh, Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm great. Great to be with you as always, Greg. So thank you. Is it significant? I feel like uh, the tide might be turning a little bit against Joe Biden. Even the fake news are growing tired. How big a deal is this that they're saying the laptop is legit? Well, I think it's a a good story. Uh, The reporter from Politico who's covered the Bidens has been better than most in the sort of reporting that he's done. Uh, And one hopes, because the mainstream media does operate in a PAC mentality, uh, that they will go ahead and uh, start covering this. Uh, Because this, to me, is the story of the Biden administration. Uh, As we've talked about before, Greg, this is not just a Hunter Biden story. This is a Joe Biden story, because he actually benefited, as we now know, based on the laptop from the financial deals that his son was dealing. I saw something in the United Nations yesterday, uh, and overall, it could be my imagination, Joe Biden seems to have a little bit of a a guilty conscience, like the walls might be closing in on him a little bit. And when he spoke about corruption and fighting corruption, there was a noticeable lack of energy yesterday at the UN. I want to play it for you. We're increasingly seeing citizens demonstrate their discontent seeing the wealthy and well-connected grow richer and richer, taking payoffs and bribes, operating above the law, while the vast majority of the people struggle to find a job. The first half of the speech, he was angry and talking about, we're going to fix this and that, and then very subdued. Have you noticed anything about his behavior? Am I onto something or am I nuts? No, I think you're right. I mean, look, the the thing that people have to put in perspective is the Bidens and the and the Biden team has been in a continuous retreat since we first broke this story in 2018. Uh, their first insistence was that um, Hunter had no deals in China. He had no foreign deals, that it was fake news. Uh, then when they, it was confirmed, uh, they switched and said, well, Joe Biden had no knowledge um, uh, that Hunter was doing these deals. Then when it became apparent that that, in fact, Joe Biden had knowledge that his son was doing this deals. Then they retreated to the position that, well, Joe Biden wasn't involved in any way. He never met with any of his business partners. And of course, we now know that that's not true. So the the, the final defense for them has been uh, that the laptop is fake and that Joe Biden did not directly benefit 
from the financial deals that Hunter was involved in. And we know for a fact uh, that that is not true. The, the emails make clear that Hunter Biden was subsidizing Joe Biden's lifestyle. He was paying his bills. Um, and that is, to put it bluntly, illegal. Well, you've been on to it for a long time. And if you want to know more than just about anybody in the fake news, please read Peter's book, Peter Schweitzer. The chapter on Kamala Harris is almost as good as the chapter on, uh, on Joe and Hunter. Thank you very much, sir. Good to see you. Thank you for watching Newsmax and good night.